0: Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. This is Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter, and he is with Further Still Ministries. And this little show we do is called Further uh, is called Solid Steps Radio. And we a few years got back together and said, "Hey, let's do a show for men as our audience." And uh, we believe that name Solid Step is not just a catchy phrase. It, I don't know how catchy it is, but we there's some history behind that. We believe that you are made to walk solidly stepping and walking with God, with Jesus Christ, and that your destiny as a man, part of your destiny as a man is to walk with Christ. And so we wanted to do a show that just talks about a little bit of everything from a man's perspective and husband, father, worker, employee, business owner, neighbor, whatever it is. But sometimes we wanna expand and get a 30,000 foot view of a, of a topic uh, maybe or get into an area that you just aren't gonna hear a lot about in conversations, sports, weather, politics. But we don't talk a lot about countries that are cursed and under dictatorships and in adverse poverty that you can't imagine. It's probably not on your radar to hear today. But today we're gonna to talk to a couple gentlemen who have been up to their ears in exactly that environment for many years of their life. And we're gonna talk about the effect it's had on them, but more importantly, what the effect that God is having in an area that seems just so dark.
1: So Chad, uh, years ago, I went through a study by Henry Blackaby called uh, Experiencing God, and it was all about God is at work. He's at work all around the world. Even when you look at a situation that doesn't seem like God is at work, and uh, so I'm gonna welcome Chris and David to our show today, and we're gonna talk about God at work um, in the country of Haiti. And uh, so, welcome to the show, guys. Thank
2: you. It's Thank privilege you. to be here.
1: It's a uh, it's a great honor to have you. And um, uh, let's just uh, talk. When I think of Haiti, I, I immediately I don't think that you know. Wow, God must be really at work. In fact, I, I you would think many times the exact opposite.
2: Yeah. In fact, a a lot of times people don't even know about Haiti or uh, where it is, where it exists and uh, much about it. So I I was among that group of people.
1: So, uh, uh, Chris, you have been down in Haiti for how many years now?
2: Almost 17 years.
1: Almost 17 years. Wow. And David, you got introduced to Haiti 34 years ago, 34 years ago. Uh, You're your dad and mom did something wild and crazy. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. My cool.
3: senior year in high school, they set me down and said, we're going to Haiti. We're selling the businesses and we're going to Haiti.
1: Selling the businesses, we're going to Haiti, and yeah. you stayed here. I stayed here. I said, God hasn't called me to Haiti.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's the only
2: smart one in the room.
1: <laughs> and he and you, you stayed here, but your mom and dad were down there for... 34 years. 34 yeah. years. And then, and then, you know, so then Chris... You got connected to David and Judy Hetty.
2: We did. We came in after them, and uh, they did all the pioneer work, all the hard stuff that uh, I had no capacity to do, and we got to enjoy the foundation that they had laid in the country already. Wow. that's. But,
1: but, but before we talk about the mission and what was going on and what's been going on for the last 30-some years in, in your both worlds... Talk to us about the country of Haiti.
2: Okay. Uh, Haiti's fascinating. It's interesting that the one of the richest nations in the world here in the United States is only 600 miles from the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, it's only an hour and a half trip from Miami down to Port-au-Prince, and uh, the two shores are very close to one another, and yet the two countries know so little about one another. Haiti knows a lot about the United States. They consider them big brother to the north, and they watch everything that they do, and they try and emulate and kind of set an example for what they would like to be like. Um, But the other direction doesn't happen so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, There isn't a lot of news about Haiti, at least that makes it into mainstream news, even though uh, it's a hotspot. There's stuff going on there all the time. And so uh, there's a lot to be said about the country of Haiti.
1: Um, Chris, you shared last night at a group gathering and... um, uh, about the history of Haiti. Yeah. Talk talk to our listeners about really what happened about 200 years ago.
2: Okay. Uh, Haiti has a long history. Uh, it goes way back to Christopher Columbus days. Uh, not many people know that, but. Haiti was the very first place that Christopher Columbus landed when he left Spain and Queen Isabella and sailed across the ocean. Mm. And he landed on the north end of the island back then. Obviously, it wasn't called Haiti or the Dominican Republic or even Hispaniola, uh, just a a body of of land out in the middle of the ocean. And uh, when he arrived there, he did what he did with most places. He made friends with the Arawak Indians that uh, inhabited the island. Uh, They gathered trinkets to take back to Queen Isabella. And uh, he left part of his crew here. And uh, him and the rest of his crew sailed back to Spain, believing that they would return in a very short time to pick them up. Uh, It was actually several years before they made it back. And when he arrived back, they had had some kind of an argument, a fight. And uh, pretty much his entire crew and the entire Arawak Indian population had been decimated and very few were left. So he came back to an island that had virtually no one on it. Um,
1: and then, and then, a, a fast forward a little bit to what was g- the what was going on um, about 200 years ago, and the, w- there, was, uh, there was some decisions that were made that really have affected over the last uh, yeah. 200 years.
2: The, uh, the key things happening a couple hundred years ago was that the island had been taken over uh, first by the Dutch and then the English and then the Spanish. And now it was in the occupation of the French. And they, they held it as an island where they grew sugar and they held slaves there so that they could sell them in the Americas, Central, South and North America. And so all of the population now in Haiti are former ancestors of slaves and uh, about that time in 1804, the, the national power or the world power at that time was uh, Napoleon and his forces in uh, France. And so the most powerful army in the world was ruling over this small island nation that had nothing but slaves without weapons of any kind. And uh, they're very proud of the fact that in 1804 they became the first Independent black African nation in the world. And uh, I've always asked myself, how is it possible that this group of slaves was able to free themselves from the most powerful army in the world? That just doesn't happen. And uh, if you know about their history, you'll find that they made a pact with Satan. That if satan would rule over their nation and he would provide them the uh the strength and the energy to fight against the french forces that uh they would sell their souls literally to satan for 200 years and they signed that pack and it was part of their original constitution
0: in writing and as part of their government constitution. in
2: actual writing wow one of the only countries that i know of in the world that Uh, in written form said, we will serve Satan. Mm. That's incredible. And what year was that? That was 1804. So obviously the 200-year pact ended in 2004. And in that year, we had witch doctors from all over the world come to a big soccer stadium and they tried to re-sign the pact. Mm. And there were Christians praying all over the wow. country against it. They were there for a week and uh, they came to no consensus and after a week they all left without re-signing the pact. So mm. uh, Christians rejoiced all over the country. <laughs> but, but, but Chris,
1: uh, you know, really uh, when that, when they signed that pact, what, what did that really mean? to the country.
2: Uh, I'm not sure that they knew exactly what that means, but what that means is that it puts the country under a curse. The Bible is very clear that God will curse people and nations to the third and fourth generation. And so decisions made a long time ago affect people yet today. And that is the history of the country of Haiti for 200 years plus years now there have been a series of uh, wars and coups and assassinations and even natural disasters like earthquakes and cholera and a whole bunch of things that other people say oh that's just a coincidence but the people of haiti don't believe that and i certainly as a christian don't believe that i believe that much of what haiti goes through is the judgment of god on some decisions that have been made both in the past and today so
1: when when um they they signed that pack and and basically under the, a curse from God, but also in a sense almost cursed themselves. Absolutely. Um, what uh, I mean, they have been in poverty. I, I mean, and and just in a really tough environment for decade upon decade upon decade.
2: Yeah, and as humans, we don't necessarily connect the spiritual to the physical all the time. Our brains don't work that way. And so it's not a matter of just telling people that if you would just change this particular thing, that some of these things would begin to disappear and go away. Uh, People are resistant to that kind of idea. You have to remember that Haiti has its own religion, the religion of voodoo. Um, it is a real religion. It's not just a Hollywood act. Uh, it is the bringing together of many animistic views of their former African life. And uh, Satan is certainly the core of that. And so it, it's more than just going to a, a, a service like a Christian would. We go to a Sunday morning service, or that kind of thing. Voodoo is a lifestyle.
1: Wow. Okay, w- we're going to take a break because we want to continue to unpack that. And what God has called you to do and what he, you and your wife Cheryl as you minister to the Haitians but we need to take a break so we'll
0: take a break in the next segment we're going to unpack more about the history of Haiti and, and, and talk about how these two guys ended up there and what God has been doing in them and in this country so we'll be back shortly here on solid steps radio welcome back the Solid Steps Radio. Chad Russell and Kurt Sauter. We're here today with Chris and David talking about Haiti, the country of Haiti and the incredibly rich history of that nation. And uh, you talk about a rich history here locally, financially, N Credit Union, they have been around for decades helping this community with all their finan- all of your, our financial needs, whether it's loans, personal commercial banking, LNN Credit Union. Vision First Eye Care, they are a fantastic organization with Rod Rollo and his crew. They take care of you more than just your eyes. They, they see you as a person. So if you need any vision pro- uh, con- uh, help, Contacts, glasses, vision first eye care, and also Bright Star Home Care. They help folks in this really tough transition of life. If you have a loved one that needs help, whether it's one day a week or 24/7 care, Bright Star Home Care can help walk through, walk through that season of life with you.
1: So, uh, guys, you know we 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 want to hear some really cool God stories, but we're gonna just pause that for just a moment and uh, continue to unpack this whole. Uh, David, you mentioned in the break that Haiti is not a third-world country.
3: Yeah, the UN classifies it as fifth world.
1: A fifth Fifth world. world. I mean, I I, I don't know if I've ever heard that before, but – Chris, what is the difference between a fifth world country
2: and a third world country? (laughs) Third world countries, obviously, are in poverty. Uh, They're countries that aren't able to sustain the level of uh, social status that uh, second or first world countries are. The difference between a third and a fifth world country is that a fifth world country is classified as a country that every year gets worse than it was the year before. And so it's in a downward spiral Rather than in an upward spiral, um, most countries of the world are beginning to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. And even though they're currently poor, they're working their way up the ladder. This country is working in the opposite direction. And according to the UN, this is one of those countries that's on an endangered list that uh, probably won't exist in the future unless something happens.
1: So, so Chris, as you okay, you're, you've been down there 17 years yeah. in a fifth world country how how have you seen it spiral down well
2: uh in several different ways it's actually less safe than it's ever been before <laughs> today. Um, there are some ways in which visibly it appears that it's gaining some ground. The roads are getting better. Some of that kind of stuff is happening. Infrastructure may be getting a little bit better. But the everyday life of the average person in Haiti continues to go down and down and down. And the things that they have to live life in general are becoming harder and harder to come by. Um, and, and so it's a tough life for, for Haitians.
1: And and you really believe that that, at least significantly in part because of the curse of 200 years ago
2: I absolutely do Um, it's not just a product of a people who are uneducated we have people come down all the time and say you know if these people just had and you can fill in the blank Hmm. if they just had education or if they just had more jobs or if they just had a better government or the list goes on and on. I have people give me a whole list of things, but quite honestly, we as missionaries know that none of that is going to make any difference whatsoever at all because they're all externals. The U.N., uh, the World Bank, all kinds of organizations have pumped billions of dollars into this country in the last couple of decades. And it doesn't get better. It only gets worse. Hmm. And the reason is because externals will never change a country. It's only the internals. It has to be God that transforms and changes a country.
1: And that's why you're down there.
2: That's exactly why I'm there, (laughs) because if you're not, it's totally discouraging. Uh, you would look at this country and say, there's absolutely nothing that I can do to even make a dent here. Why would I stay? Well, the reason you stay is because God says one individual at a time begins the process of multiplication, and you have the power to change a nation. And that's what you do. So every day, you concentrate on the ones. Mm, one at a time. One at a time.
1: Chris, um, you you mentioned um i think last night when i was with you or this morning about what many haitian's do to to survive yeah um, they send a family member up here to talk about that to our listeners.
2: Yeah, Haitians live in what we call lacous. It's a, it's a family unit. It's kind of like in Jesus' day where aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas and cousins all live it together in one yard. And uh, they try and scrape together a living because chances are only maybe one person in that entire group may have a job. And so uh, they bring home what money they can. But everybody chips in, and they try and get one person within the family unit to get a visa to go somewhere else in the world so that they can get a real job and send money via Western Union or whatever resources available to send it back to the country so that their their family unit can survive so last figures i looked at some like 6.5 billion dollars every year come through Western Union from haitians in the united states sending money back to haiti for their families to try and survive
1: that's incredible and, uh, and you mentioned, uh, I think before the show, that the inflation rate in Haiti right now is what?
2: Is about 22% currently. So the cost of everything is continuing to go through the roof. Uh, we pay our employees very well, and yet they still uh, have trouble scraping by and being able to buy the resources and the food that they, they need. We're constantly having to raise their pay. I
1: mean, every day they wake up and they have no clue where their foods comes coming from, and that's
2: true for the vast majority of Haitians. They wake up each day not knowing exactly where food will come from from that day, so it, it's constantly on their mind. It's a huge burden.
1: And they, I mean, uh, that's that's, wow, that's incredible. T- talk to us uh, as well about what uh, an average Haitian makes a year.
2: Average annual income last I knew, most recent figures were somewhere in the neighborhood of about three hundred and fifty dollars a, a year. year. Yeah, I say I emphasize that because to an American to hear that, you know, your mind on. Ob- immediately pops to a day because uh, that's that's fairly close to what a lot of Americans would make a day before a Haitian he has to live on that for an entire year now remember that's the median income and so that means there's some people that obviously make more than that but that means there's a whole bunch of people who make nothing and uh, that represents the majority of the people in the country
1: when when I hear that I, I'm I'm kind of like you. What you said earlier. I mean, the externals
2: that would, I would just be overwhelmingly discouraged. It it is. It's a major burden on any family, and even for the Christian families, they know where their sources come from. Uh, their hope is in the Lord, because uh, there is nothing outside of the Lord that guarantees them that they will have any kind of a living. So, the hope has to be rooted from the inside out. And
1: and and you you mentioned
2: that. Christ is, and Christianity is on the uprise. It is. Uh, That's one of the bright reasons why I've made it there for 17 years. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of reasons to leave, but there is only one reason why somebody stays, and that is we see progress. Uh, Evangelical Christianity in Haiti is probably only about 70 years old, and so uh, that's a very short time period, and it is certainly on the uprise. I I think somewhere, uh, this is a best guess I could do, we're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 12% Christian evangelical now, which is an incredible rise in a country that's about 11 million people. Well,
1: I mean, you got 11 million people under a curse for sen- two centuries, and, and, and then all of a sudden you see double-digit people, uh, evangelical Christian who love Jesus Christ and who are um, wanting to make a difference in their world and their culture. Absolutely. Talk, talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, in a world where there is no hope, where you can go to school, but... There are no jobs available when you get done with school in a world where everything appears hopeless to have somebody come to you and say, I know a God who knows you personally, who created you and who loves you and can give you hope. Here is a nation that's willing to listen. They uh, they are open to the gospel And uh, what a weird dichotomy, what a a strange mix of things to have a nation who has served Satan for so many years to be able to say to them, I would like to introduce you to Jesus Christ. And they say, you're welcome to tell me about him. What a strange difference between here and the United States. The United States, we were founded as what we refer to as a a Christian country. Our our principles were based in the word of God. The United States seems to be headed the other direction. We're on the decline. We're moving away from God, whereas Haiti is moving the opposite direction. They're finding hope in God and moving the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, we we can't go to school and openly, you know, uh, teachers open your Bible, pray with your students. Um, but but in Haiti, that's that's exactly what they're doing.
2: Exactly, I told you that last night. I can go into any public forum, especially into the public school system, and I can say to the teacher, I would like to speak to your class about Jesus Christ and their initial response is almost always how much time do you need you're welcome in Um, and they'll give you whatever resources and time that you want Uh, we run a a Christian camp down at the the property where we're at and uh, I've talked to the schools there about the possibility of bringing their kids to our our camps and initially I thought yeah maybe they might want to send a a couple hundred kids and uh, I got overwhelmed because they wanted to send their whole school system. At one point, I had a, a school district that wanted to send 100,000 kids to our camp. <laughs> I said, God, stop. <laughs> I can't do it.
1: 100,000 kids. Wow. So we're going to take a break and
0: come back in the next couple of segments. We're going to hear more about some personal stories about uh, the experiences that Chris and David had had for decades down in the country that th- every year seems to be getting worse. But God is working in that in those countries and in those people's hearts. So, we're going to take a break, be back shortly on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. Uh, if you missed the first two, you missed a lot. So, go to our Facebook page, SoundCloud, or iTunes and type it Solid Steps Radio. You can hear all these f- thanks to our great sponsors, commercial free. Uh, Frank Enterprises, if you have a septic tank or water drainage issue outside of your home and you need that water to go where it's supposed to go, Frank Enterprises takes care of that. Dan Hart Financial, if you need to retire one day or need at least have a conversation about what that looks like and you want to be wise with your money. Dan Hart can sit down and walk through and and say, what does wisdom look like in regards to finances? And also, uh, Southern Smoke Catering, my personal favorite sponsor, uh, southernsmokecatering.com. You put a little bit of South in your mouth, some of the best only only, uh, catering-only organization that uh, is award-winning. If you mention Solid Steps Radio, you get a 10% discount for your first order. southernsmokecatering.com. Okay, so uh – well, I just took a little break. Yeah, we were having a conversation. I'll ask why you went to go to the bathroom. I had asked the question. <laughs> there are no
2: secrets here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, when you, I was looking, doing some a little bit of history on Haiti, and and I knew a little bit just from from just you catch stuff. But one of the things that you hear about Haiti is that it's a cursed nation. And uh, but what I hear another argument coming in from the different angle saying you know that's kind of of a revisionist history that's the white evangelicals coming in and saying yeah yeah it's cursed that's why we need to push our jesus so for, for someone who comes in and says that that's just rewritten history, that's not really, no, it's not part of the Constitution, or no, that's not really what had happened in the beginning. What do you, you've been there. I can sit there and say <laughs> i read an article. You all have been there for decades. What's your response to that?
2: Yeah, when you walk into the country, you immediately feel a different spirit. Uh, people tell me all the time when they get off the plane Mm. uh, what they feel first of all is some sort of an oppression and I don't know what that is I don't always feel that but uh, there is certainly a difference when you walk in Uh, quite honestly the people in the country those who are Christians believe definitely that they're cursed Um, they believe that God uh, doesn't necessarily punish for what has been made decisions in the past, but that God at least uses circumstances to try and turn the nation around. For those who aren't Christians, though, they they would never say to you, our nation is cursed. That just wouldn't happen. Uh, they know that things haven't gone well. They know that things uh, don't, work like other nations do, but certainly they don't view themselves in curse. In fact, a, a lot of what happens is the voodoo culture there blames Christianity for the problems of the nation. They uh, they would say to the people, we didn't have some of these problems until these Christians came in and began to change our viewpoint and change who we worship. And so it's, it's the Christian's fault for some of the things that we're going through. So there's actually this opposite viewpoint going on. Um, Mm. from what we uh, what we see and what God reflects here. David, you
1: mentioned in, um, in the break, um, b- there's an incredible distinction as you fly over the island because um, I, for years I didn't even know this. H- half the island is the... The d- Dominican Republic. The DR. Yeah. And the other half is Haiti. Talk about that.
3: Yeah, it's, it's just hard to believe. I mean, when you literally fly over, you see a land that used an island that used to be full of mahogany trees lush beautiful that they've robbed all that and then you can see the dividing line of the dominican where it's lush green beautiful their resources it's the same island it's just hard to believe the same
1: island one part of the island is lush just much more beautiful beautiful yeah and the other is barren and they've robbed all the resources incredible
2: do you have any thoughts on that, Chris? Well, they're, they're completely opposites in every way. Um, one side was French. One side was Spanish. One side speaks Creole. The other side speaks Spanish. One side loves baseball. The other side has never heard of baseball. Um, <laughs> they're, 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 these two nations that butt against each other are completely different in every way.
1: Wow. Um Talk a a little bit more about this ability, though, that God is opening doors, especially in in the educational world there, but also what you see God doing. God's at work in Haiti in the midst of all this poverty, in the midst of all
2: this decay God's at work. Absolutely. And when, when God does a work in a nation like that, it's much more visible than it is in countries where you don't see such dramatic changes take place when a person becomes a Christian. Uh, we haven't really talked a lot about voodoo culture yet, but voodoo is, is a religion of fear, you serve the god Satan, and Satan works on the basis of fear. Every day, you must perform for him. There is things that you must do, or he'll make your life miserable. They have what are called loas, which would we would know as demons, that each household is responsible to appease their demon for the day, and if they don't accomplish all the things that the demon has asked them to do, their life is under deep oppression, and so they're constantly constantly in fear that, boy, I've got to perform today in order to make my life less miserable, in a sense. So when a, when a Haitian discovers God when they find out that there is a God who is greater than these demons who has the power to break that chain and bondage of, of fear that they have who loves them and cares for them and knows them by name when they discover that mm-hmm. it absolutely transforms them from the inside out uh, you know a, a person becomes a Christian in the United States and uh, their smiles and they talk about it a lot and and there is some change but here the change is visible their countenance completely changes their eyes change you talked about eyes last night Uh, their faith muscles become powerful and strong because they have none of the things to rely on that you and I rely on
1: yeah what we rely on in America we do a, a, a lot of material things and a lot of pleasure and entertainment and all of those things and They have nothing but the Lord God to lean on.
2: They have no infrastructure. If they get sick, there's no doctor or hospital to really go to. And so they go to prayer. I'm ashamed to say as a missionary that I grew up in a culture where when I get sick, my first thought is, call the doctor. Their first thought is let's go to prayer. And so their faith muscles, in a lot of ways, are so much more powerful and much stronger than the ones that I have that I often feel like we've reversed roles. And they're the missionary, and I'm the one that's learning.
1: You're learning from them what it means to walk by faith.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. As an American, uh, our walk by faith is so weak. And uh, theirs is absolutely essential. Without it, they cannot live. So they rely on their daily bread for their faith walk. And
1: oh, that's okay. That's convicting, uh, Chad. Um, <laughs> Don't look at me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! You know, I bet when you say that, I, I just got done seeing
0: a documentary about the the church in in the Middle East, and. If you're, Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit," for theirs is the kingdom of God. Right. People who are have no hope in their money, in their cell phones, in their hot water, in their warm houses. They have nothing. They are desperate people. Would you? I I can't imagine in a fifth world they have nothing. How do they even get out of bed? (laughs) How do? How do? How do? What do they have to do to get up? Saying, "I have nothing to look forward to." that's a person who's poor in spirit. Yeah. They're, they're open to hear, right? I mean,
2: And that's visible within the country. Uh, when I get up and get out and about in the, in the country, uh, you, you, you drive through the streets of Port-au-Prince and there is just millions and millions of people. And most of them are on foot. Mm. They're not in vehicles, they don't have vehicles, and so they're all walking somewhere. And it's fascinating to be in the middle of of three million people all just walking somewhere. They don't seem to be going anywhere. They're not in a hurry, because they have no destination to arrive at, but they're all just walking. It's as if it's a visible picture of people searching for something. Mm. They don't know where they're going, they don't know what they're gonna get when they get there, but they just go. They just walk, and they they, they arrive at some place, and at the end of the day, they turn around and go back home to the place that they came to at the beginning of the day. And uh, I think that's kind of representative of what life is like in Haiti. There's just no direction until you meet Jesus Christ. Um,
1: Chris, talk real quickly about um, this concept of, um, you know, what— When, when you follow Christ, you're discipling some guys right now and they are, I mean, they are going to a whole nother level of, I mean, pursuing the deeper things of Christ.
2: Uh, Haitians love the word of God. The, they they uh, they're like sponges. They're not like Americans who are afraid to ask questions. I love this part. I'm discipling fifteen guys every morning. They work for me, and we start our day every day with devotions and prayer. I'm not talking about five or ten minutes. I'm talking about we read a passage of scripture. We're going through the Bible verse by verse. We've been through the entire New Testament. We started over in the Old Testament. And now we're up to Deuteronomy, and we go through verse by verse. And they ask me questions. You know when I in an American group, they all get shy. They all Nobody wants to ask a question. They all look at the floor. Uh, they don't want anybody to think they're stupid. Haitians aren't like that at all. They're a, a very gregarious people. They'll ask any question. They're never afraid to ask. And nobody looks at you as, you, oh, that was a stupid question kind of a thing. And so they, they suck things out of me and cause me to learn more about the Word. And because their perspective is different from a different culture, I learn things about the Bible. I never... New before
1: their questions are changing you
2: absolutely. <laughs>
0: so we're going to take a break. Come back in our fourth and final segment and talk more about kind of the. This is always kind of a question in my head of so what? Like what do we? What are we supposed to do? In Galatians it talks about we are supposed to bear each other's burdens. What are we supposed to do as Christians to bur bury carry the burden of our brothers and sisters and why should we care about what's going on in Haiti so we'll take a break answer that and we come back on Solid Steps Radio welcome back to Solid Steps Radio where's the microphone <laughs> I'm Chad Russell Kurt Satter we're having some fun here talking about uh, the, the country of Haiti it's a fascinating story and us, and you know four segments isn't enough uh, but we want to thank our sponsors for having a uh, being able to give a podcast. Go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes for the for the commercial free podcast. We want to thank uh, sponsors: the uh, Southeast Outlook newspaper. It is a, a publication that comes out weekly, and it talks about the stories that God is writing in locally, nationally, and around the world in people's lives. And we want to thank them for sponsoring our show, Doctor Eric Veal. And his uh, Iroquois Family Dentistry, they have two locations, one in the southwest Louisville and then one out east, uh, and please look them up. And They're a family-friendly, kid-friendly dentist office. And then Veritech Generators, if you need somebody to install a generator, get a price on a generator, or maybe service a generator for your home or your business, Veritech can do that for you. Thank them for sponsoring our show.
1: Okay, hey guys, David and Chris, uh, talk to us about this, um, as Christians in America, why do we need to uh, know this about what's going on in Haiti? And specifically, how do we carry the burden? You know, the Bible says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Uh, you know, David, you have not been on the mission field full time. You're a business guy here in, in America, but you've made a number of trips to Haiti. Um, how, do we, how do we bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters and encourage them in their faith? I would tell you the first thing is you need to go so you can
3: really experience and see. I always feel like, I think Chris was sharing earlier, when I'm there, my prayer life's a lot better (laughs) because I realize I don't have all those things that I have now, you know, back here. You know, if something happened or I could call the police or I could go to the hospital, when you're there, you fully rely on the Lord. And, And so that encourages me. In fact, I need that dose of that to to realize what I take for granted every day. And so that keeps them in my prayer life about the struggles. I just can't imagine. I don't have a refrigerator that I can go pull something out of every day to know where my food's coming from. Uh, You know, just, you know, you see talked about they're just walking every day leading to nowhere, you
1: know, because they have nothing to do, nowhere to go, no purpose. Yeah, uh, few, a few bicycles, very few vehicles. They're constantly walking. And when, when you were down there, I, you, you've, you've taken how many trips down there to uh, Haiti? 25, And 30. It re- really, every time you go down there, it reminds you, it changes you. Oh, it changes me every time. And it
3: changes me more when I get back because then I see what I take for granted, you know, that
0: that's where it changes me. And Chris, you had there. said on the break that the the social structure down there is is quite lopsided when it comes to the genders that men and women the weight that women carry versus the men.
2: Yeah, uh, the women are the workers in the country they're the one that handle the bulk of the load. Uh, a lot of the men, if they do not have jobs, just have nothing to do and so it's a patriarchal society. The woman is owned by the man. Uh, she, uh, she doesn't even have a real name. She goes by her husband's name. So in, uh, in Haiti, my wife is not Cheryl. She is Madame Chris, and uh, she goes by that title. And so she would be owned by me much like a donkey would be owned by me. And so there is heavy control there. Mm. Um, how, how do you, uh, Chris, how do you,
1: how do you give them a biblical framework with, when they turn to Christ regarding that. Yeah,
2: you have to start from ground zero because uh, the biblical mandates for how a family works does not exist within their society. And so you have to basically start from scratch. Uh, when we first started uh, to move down there, uh, I went into church, uh, which was a place that I thought would be much like what we experience here. And uh, the men and the women, uh, they seem to be all sitting in different places. And I found out that nobody sits with their family. Uh, the man sits here, the woman sits on the other side of the church, the children are spread throughout the church, and nobody sits with one another. And I had people coming to me and asking me, why do you sit with your wife? What a basic question. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never seen that before, and they, they don't understand how a family unit works. And so you have to start from basics and work your way up at how God designed the family mm. unit um, God at the top, the man as the husband of the family is responsible and in charge of how the family works. The wife is to be his helpmate, to respect her husband. A husband is to love his wife. And the children are all a part of it as, as well. And those are all things that we take for granted that they have to learn. And, and speaking
1: of men, Chris, talk to us guys regarding what you see on the mission field and ministry. And how it's so women-led and really God's heart for that.
2: Yeah, Kurt uh, told me earlier a little bit about where I was headed with this. He told me that this is a a radio program for men. So I want to get down and dirty a little bit here and say, (laughs) I'm talking to you men. Uh, the women, you can listen, but uh, I, I want you to poke your husband a little bit. Men have given away their responsible rights. Even in America, a lot of the men you talk to, they allow their wives to take over the role of the spiritual father in the family. They train the children. The husband has has walked away from his role, and that, that is magnified in Haiti. Uh, in the missionary world, it's especially obvious. For the last couple of hundred Years, it is women who have dominated missions. Uh, Young women who uh, are not yet married or older widows uh, seem to have carried the greatest Mm. load within the missioned organizations. And that's just not right. Men, we need to get up and take our roles seriously, what God told us to do. We are the leaders, and we need to be stepping up. I, it, this is not that I want everybody to come to Haiti and become a missionary, but it is that men need to take seriously the role that God has given us.
1: We, you know, Chris, we have talked about this on the show uh, before, but it, it's the sin of Adam in, in the garden when Adam basically is, is living a, a passivity out of passivity. He does not lead Eve, and that sin has fallen on us. And, and we uh, uh, in
2: many times adopt that. Yeah. If, if Satan can keep men weak, he gains victory. And so it's not that this is a knock against women. Women are fantastic teachers. I, I know women who do terrific jobs and are great at what they do. But that's not the issue here. It is that men need to take their responsibility seriously and not allow your wife to do all the work or not allow women to be in charge of missions around the world. Men need to step up and... Do what God has asked them to do.
1: You know, it reminds me of what uh, Paul says in Ephesians: "We are God's workmanship, and it's men and women. But we, He created in us to do good works, which God prepared in advance for yeah. us to do. He didn't just save us to get us into heaven; He saved us so that we would be kingdom workers, and that we would be advancing the cause of Christ, and we would be the leaders in our homes and then uh, in our neighborhoods." and eventually around the world yeah. to make a difference for the gl- glory of Jesus and his
2: kingdom. Every one man or a woman has a responsibility to all our brothers and sisters around the world. So we need to be in prayer for Haiti. Mm. Whether you have direct contact to this country or not, we have the mandate to be in prayer for our brothers and sisters around the world. So I'm asking you to do that. Uh, this country needs us. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, I think it's verse 14, says that Uh, Those who are called by my name, if you will humble yourselves, if you will pray, if you will Mm. obey what I tell you to do, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I take that seriously. Mm. Haiti can be the poster child for the world. God can heal the hurt. God can heal the land. And this land that seems so destitute can become a land where everybody around the world says, what happened to them? Why did it work so well for them? The answer is always Jesus Christ. Yeah, only the grace and
1: power of God. Yeah. Hey, Chris and David, thank you so much for coming on. Our time is up, but... uh, Chris would you pray for us guys that we, that we would be the the men that step forward
2: that we would not be passive would you pray for us Absolutely Lord we all need that Uh, It's easy to get comfortable, to want to stay where we're at, to not rock the boat, to not have to view the hard things and the hard places of life. But Lord, I pray that you would rile a passion within us. Help us to not be content with where we're at, to be always looking forward to something better. And I especially pray it for us as men. Lord, help us to take our roles as heads of the family seriously. Help us to be looking how we can raise our children and our wives into spiritual maturity and take that role both here locally, nationally, and certainly around the world to bring the cause of Jesus Christ where uh, we feel like we've participated, we've been a part in what God is doing. Don't allow us to be passive. Help us to be active. That means that Satan's going to come after us. Lord, we know it. Um, but Lord, don't allow that to hinder us in any way. Uh, make our faith such that we're excited about the opportunities that Satan will throw at us. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we look at them with badges of honor, not as something to be feared. Lord, give us that power, we pray it in Jesus' name.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. So as you hear this, you might be thinking, what do I have to do with Haiti? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is we need to pray. And uh, also, if you want to find out more about this in organization, go to globaloutreach.org. Is that right, guys? Globaloutreach.org. There's some information video there about this nation. Um, God cares about the people of Haiti, and that means we should too. So whether that's prayer, donations, or maybe you need to go. So be praying about that, and uh, we thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio.
3: With every-